0: Hey there, Full Disc listeners. We've got something special for you today. In the current global pandemic world we're living in, we at Full Disc started feeling the huge void being left by the extreme lack of aviating going on. Our good friends at Mudspike Aviation felt the same. We both agreed that something needed to be done. Since we couldn't get out and watch our friends fly, we figured what better way to keep in touch than inviting them into our virtual flight line and having a simple conversation about all things aviation. For seven straight hours, we had live conversations with military pilots, airshow pilots, warbird owners and operators, social media personalities, and photographers. The audio was recorded live, and while there were definitely some technical issues that popped up, we feel that the quality of the conversation greatly outweighs the quality of the audio. Without further ado, Full Disc Aviation and Mudspike Aviation present the following for your listening pleasure. Full Disc Aviation and Mudspike Aviation presents an Aviation Conversation. Well, hey again, everyone. This is Nick Moore with Full Disc Aviation. Welcome to the next session of the first ever and hopefully last virtual air show hosted by Full Disc and our good friends at Mudspike Aviation. (laughs) We hope that everyone is doing their part to stay safe, and we really hope that the time spent today might bring just a little bit of extra joy in these weird times we're living in. If you're joining us here today, I'm going to just assume that you love aviation and air shows. You're in for luck because you are in luck, excuse me, because we're going to be talking a lot about that. During the next 30 minutes or so, please feel free to hit us up with some questions for our guest. We'll do our best to get anything answered that pops up. I am uh, co piloted today by my buddy Richard Zulu X Ray Souza. How are you doing today, Rich?
1: I'm doing great. I'm glad to be here. How are you doing? I'm doing
0: good. This has been a lot of fun. Got a lot of. Had a chance to talk to a lot of a lot of cool people, and I look forward to hearing recordings on the other side too of uh, everybody else. So, our guest Definitely. for this, yeah, our guest for this session represents a large group of volunteers and donors who have been tasked with keeping a piece of living history in the air. This is not just another warbird restoration. This project was literally pulled from the desert in California and meticulously restored over many years to become the second flying example of a B twenty nine Super Fortress in the world. Joining us today is the executive director and general manager for the organization known as Doc's Friends, Mister Josh Wells. How are you doing, sir?
2: Hey, good morning, guys. I'm well, or good afternoon, depending on where you're uh, where you're listening from. I'm doing well.
0: Good. Awesome. So, yeah. So, uh, before we get into all the all the details of Doc, I uh, just want to. Bring up the the Docs Friends organization and uh, have you tell us a little bit about what that what that organization um, is all about?
2: Yeah, sure. Look, it's a, it's an organization, nonprofit organization that um, basically our, our mission is to to operate now um, the B twenty nine Superfortress known as Doc. Um, uh, the um, the organization was founded um, uh, about seven years ago now in twenty twelve um, a group of uh, investors and, and local uh, really. Uh, philanthropist, aviation philanthropist, and, and enthusiasts here in the Wichita, Kansas area said, um, Look, we've got to figure out a way to finish up the restoration and restore Dot to flight. And Tony Maslini and, and volunteers had spent um, a little more than a decade in Wichita uh, after the aircraft was brought back from China Lake, California, um, on seven flatbed trailers. And it had sputtered along from time to time. The group had primarily worked on the, the fuselage section, but but was running out of money and, and those types of things um, and running out of a place to be when they were outside. It was kind of the homeless veteran type thing. Uh, and so in 2012, Jeff Turner and a, and a group of uh, of aviation enthusiasts in Wichita founded Doc's Friends uh, with with the, with three things, three, uh, you know, three phases, three missions over the overall mission. So first uh, first on the docket was to what's it going to take to restore Doc, put everything back together, engines, propellers, all that. Uh, get it ready to fly. Let's get it back in the air. Uh, number two was um, you know move it around to air shows across the country to honor those men and women who served uh, and continue to serve to protect our freedom and to uh, celebrate and educate about the greatest generation uh, who built these aircraft and those who served in Wichita during the time primarily primarily women. And then uh, phase three was uh, to find a way to build a permanent home for Doc so that we no longer had. A, uh, a homeless veteran so that we could uh, have a permanent home for volunteers to continue to work on the airplane and, and maintain the airplane so uh, finished phase uh, one back to uh, flight in 2016 uh, there we uh, we launched on uh, 2017 into an air show tour which we've been doing for the last uh, two and a half to three years and then uh, we also continued in phase three was to build a, a hangar a structure something that the public could get up close and personal with the airplane. Uh, and then give our volunteers an opportunity to work on the airplane. So we uh, completed phase three um, in uh, late uh, 2018, moved into a 42,000-square-foot um, facility in Wichita. at a uh, mid-continent airport, or the uh, new name for that is Eisenhower National. Um, so we've been in that for uh, about a year and a half, and uh, we continue to, to take the airplane to air shows across the country and uh, celebrate the greatest generation educate uh, the new generations and future generations about the greatest generation and about the men and women who continue to serve our our nation. today.
0: That's awesome. Uh, You know, we kind of talked about a little bit of the, the recent history there. Um, Let's go back to the beginning. You know, why, why doc? What, what's the significance of the nose art? What's the, what's the significance of this particular airplane?
2: So uh, from the beginning, Doc was one of, um, you know, uh, one of the uh, aircraft that was built in Wichita by the Boeing Company uh, during World War II, one of 1,644 aircraft built by the Boeing Company in Wichita. Um, Doc did not see um, World War II action delivered in uh, late um, in uh, early 1945 um, to the U.S. Army Air Corps, was getting ready to go uh, be outfitted to, to go to war when the war came to an end. Uh, So Doc then spent some time as a radar calibration squadron member up in uh, upstate New York uh, before being retired uh, in the 1950s to China Lake Naval Station as a missile target. So uh, Doc and the squadron, there were there were nine aircraft. So Snow White, the Seven Dwarves and the Wicked Witch. Um, And Doc was one of many that were in uh, China Lake Naval Station area uh, being uh, being tested upon, being being. you know, use these radar, they they would uh, use it as missile targets, uh, until a guy by the name of Tony Mazzolini uh, decided he liked B-29s, and he kind of had a love affair with the B-29, and um, a couple of his buddies said, I know where you can find them, and he said, really? So they went uh, went out and flew over China Lake and had some pictures, and uh, of course, the Navy owned those airplanes at the time. The Navy said, hey, we don't have any B-29s, and so they kind of got into a little bit of an argument and um, so he showed some photos, some overhead photos, and they said, "Oh, well, those are not b twenty nines those are targets And so you know it's kind of a potato potato type thing, right? So uh, Tony said, "Hey, stop shooting at them. I'd like to have one." he said well you can't um you can't buy one, but we can trade for it." Tony said, okay, great what what do you want?" And uh, they said, "Well, we'd like to have a b twenty five restored to static condition, and I'm sure they told him that thinking look, this guy will not come back, right? We'll, this guy will go away. And he said, Tony said, okay, great, perfect. This was in the mid 80s, by the way. And so Tony went to South America and found a B-25, um, restored it to static condition, uh, took uh, a better part of a decade and to do that, um, and lots of money and lots of volunteers. And so Tony then knocked on the Navy's door again and said, I have your B-25, I'd like to have the B-29, please. So they went out to China Lake and, uh, there was Doc. Many of you have seen photos, uh, and Doc was in, it, it was in dire straits. They thought maybe they could work on Doc enough to, uh, you know, do what they did with Fifi, uh, to ferry Doc out of there one time. Um, unfortunately that just wasn't going to happen. There was so much corrosion on Doc, um, that they had to, they had to take it apart, uh, after several years of work, uh, volunteers and, uh, heroes there in, uh, in the China Lake Naval Station area, China Lake, Inukern, and Ridgecrest. Um, and they, um, they were starting to put it back together when they realized it did not have, uh, didn't have the ability to do that, didn't have the money, didn't have the, the technology and know-how. So uh, Tony eventually made a call to the guy uh, who was the leader at um, uh, Boeing Wichita at the time, Jeff Turner. Um, and this was in late 1999 and, um, Tony made a phone call one day. He was, he was kind of running out of money and Jeff's assistant took the, took the note and uh, Tony wasn't sure that he would ever hear from Jeff. So a couple of days went by and, and, uh, then Jeff picked up the phone and called Tony and said, uh, then Jeff Turner, how can I help you? At the time, Jeff was the, uh, the site leader at Wichita, Boeing, Wichita, uh, the same plant where doc was built and Jeff, uh, Told Tony, said, "Hey, listen. If you can get the aircraft to Wichita, we'll help you put it back together." Uh, so, the heroes in California began to take the airplane apart. Uh, they put it on seven flatbed trailers, and in 2000, Doc arrived uh, via semi and, and seven flatbed trailers back in Wichita. In what was going to be a two to three year project to get the thing put back together, uh, needless to say, it took a couple of more years than that. And um, then eventually, um, you know, the airplane was moved about, uh, moved in and out of different hangars and in and out of uh, different facilities. And that's when Doc's friends got involved back in in 2016. Uh, And back to your original question, Nick, as as you said, hey, why Wichita? Well, Wichita's got the knowledge and the know-how and the technology and the engineers in the aviation industry to go do something like that. Probably, I like to talk about. There's, there's nowhere else in the world that you could restore a B-29, frankly, or, or any other large aircraft, than Wichita, Kansas, because we've got, uh, we're the air capital of the world. We've got all of those employees who have retired or who, uh, spent decades Mm -hmm. working in the aviation industry, and now they're retired, uh, or they had spare time after they they clocked out and went home. So they went uh, painstakingly uh, 16 years. Uh, over 450,000 volunteer hours to put the, the aircraft back together. Uh, really, it was a re- restoration effort. Largely, um, you know, it's a, almost a brand new airplane inside. It's got new wiring and new control cables, and all that stuff. Where we where we could, we tried to uh, restore and make uh, like new. Of course, you can't go down the road and buy a, a B-29 part. You can't can't log on to Amazon or go to AutoZone, right, and get a B-29 part. So that's where. Several industry partners uh, like Boeing and then Spirit Aerosystems got involved. Uh, Textron and Cessna also involved in the later stage of the game. Um, Many other uh, small aviation shops helped machine parts uh, and make new exhaust and all sorts of things. So without without Wichita's uh, industrial knowledge to build aircraft, we don't have B-29 dock. And and that's frankly why uh, Wichita was chosen for the restoration project.
0: Talk about the volunteers. I mean, surely there wasn't any volunteers that actually worked on building Doc in the first place, were there?
2: There was one, Connie Palacios. Connie is an original Rose of the Riveter. Uh, She is ninety five years old today, uh, healthy, and and uh, will probably outrun us all. And uh, she was seventeen when she went to work for the Boeing Company, and she put the rivets in every nose section that crossed this the uh, the Boeing uh, production line in the nineteen forties she got word in the late nineties, early, early 2000, that doc was coming home. And so she went, came, knocked on the door. She was from Newton and uh, said, Hey, I'd like to volunteer. So she helped along the way those 16 years uh, in varying capacities. She also uh, continues to volunteer today. In fact, we take her to Oshkosh with us. Um, And uh, if those of us who have been to Oshkosh know that, uh, it can be a long day, right? You're out at 7 a.m. and you don't go back to the hotel or the house until 7 p.m. and you're out in the sun and the heat, and the rain and whatever the wind. Well, Connie will outrun us all. We sit down at 7 p.m. back at the house to get ready to go to dinner, and she's sitting there with a the Bud Light ready to go. Um, <laughs> right at so that's one of our that's one of our heroes, uh, Connie. And and I can't talk enough about you know the volunteers, uh, those uh, who continue to work today. Those, we've, we've lost some volunteers, some, some of the early volunteers have passed on. Uh, those still are heroes. We think about them every day when we fly the airplane, the heroes today continue to polish and shine on the airplane every day. Um, and we also talk about those heroes, the early heroes in California. Look, without that team in China Lake and in your current, we don't have an airplane. They worked, uh, to get that aircraft off, uh, the desert floor and, and the, the bombing range. Uh, they, uh, they did work, they cleaned the aircraft, uh, they preserved the aircraft, they worked hard to make sure that no one took parts from it, and then they put it on truck and shipped to Wichita. So uh, really, it's countless volunteers over 16 years in Wichita, and then even more volunteer hours over a decade in California.
0: I think one thing about the, you know, the, um, we talk about, you know, picking it up off the, uh, off of the desert bed out there in California, I've seen some of the video that's, uh, that's at the museum talking about how that all happened. that was not a, Hey, we've got a road that happens to be right next to where the aircraft is. That was, there was a lot more that went into that.
2: Yeah, you're right. Uh, yeah. It wasn't, it was not easy. I mean, this was a dry, uh, a, a dry Creek bed and a, a dry air. I mean, this is this had been a it's a desolate area we were there in fact this past september uh and and, and uh, visited that that site and to see it you just you can see pictures of it but you can't experience and understand what those volunteers did until you actually see it in person and you know they they had to come out of the desert and then they they apparently it's okay to drop a you know drop missiles and bombs on the desert tortoise. Uh, endangered desert tortoise habitat, but you cannot pull an aircraft out of it, which is where Doc was. So they had to figure out a way to make sure that they weren't disturbing the desert tortoise. Um, they had to build a—it um, was a dry creek bed, a dry river bed—but they had to make sure they didn't disturb it. So they had to build temporary bridges with railroad ties to go out across these areas, and then they'd pick those up and move along, and they'd get to a, a highway and down three ninety-five, and then. Yeah, I mean, we're talking about twenty miles or or more to get to where it needed to go. It was a it was a you know several day process, a hot process in the desert with the wind and the sand and the the desert tortoise and all those things. I mean, again, I just I don't have the words to describe what that team did there. It was amazing.
1: Is there any uh, truth to the uh, story? Because I picked up on Doc way back way when I was still reading aviation magazines, you know, when I wasn't even picking up the camera, really. And I read about the story, and that's what I first heard about, Doc, uh, prior to where we are now. But is there any truth to the story where there was a very short window of time to move the aircraft from the desert? You know, um,
2: no, I don't think so. Um, I think, you know, uh, there, there probably were some... Uh, some opportunities that they needed to take advantage of right away um, to get the aircraft. And because obviously it was a, you know, it was a military base and they needed to get on and off that military base to uh, make sure that that um, the military could continue to do their work. And so um, I think that uh, there probably was a little bit of that, but not that I'm not that I'm aware of tremendously. Um, There were just lots of challenges that they dealt with. that could have obviously been one of them imagine so i mean it's uh it's one of those things where you know uh when we go out on tour um people just marvel at what it looks like today and when you come to our 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 hangar and education center in wichita you can see photos of what it looked like when it was found and it is just amazing the work that this team of volunteers has done over the last two to almost three decades to get to get it back together uh, and to continue to fly it and maintain it today.
1: I saw it come in uh, at Reading um, when it came in that year that it was there with Fifi. And the anticipation was unbelievable to see it land and, and, and to be. And I remember when they were uh, towing it in, everybody just stopped what they were doing and just watched and it yeah. was it was it was impressive
2: look we get that uh it's very humbling uh, we get that wherever we go uh, and i recall coming into to Reading and and you know flying overhead and then landing and then just everyone looking um at the aircraft and uh, honestly we've been told it looks better today than it did uh when, when it was restored in 2016. um we, uh, the, the team takes just tremendously good care of this airplane. They're, they're always, of course, not right now because of COVID-19, but there's people always at the hangar, uh, volunteers always wiping and polishing and making sure that everything is in tip-top shape. And so it is um, it is very humbling to be around the aircraft and to, to exa- observe what you just described. Uh, people blocking to the airplane, people. Uh, we we see, um, you know, one of the one of the greatest things I've seen being out on the road with Doc is where, when we uh, in, encounter World War II vets, and you know these these folks are in their late eighties uh, through hundred years old, uh, and those heroes, some of them are using canes and walkers, and uh, from time to time in wheelchairs and this that and the other, um, and they will roll up, walk up slowly to the aircraft. Um, they will stand up out of their chair if they're in a wheelchair and they will reach out and they will touch the B-29. And it's, it's cliche to say this, but it's almost like we're in a Disney movie where you see the pixie dust. And all of a sudden that veteran is transformed back to 17 and 18 years old, 19 years old. Um, They smile, tears run down their faces. All of a sudden they're, they're a teenager again. And they're, they're remembering uh their colleagues that their uh, their their buddies, their comrades who who they served with and who they continued lifelong friendships with, and some who didn't make it um and they feel young again, and it's just so interesting and so humbling to watch that process and then as we're able to even fly some of those some of those veterans um through our ride flight program, and they sit in the seats that either uh they sat in or their friends sat in, or in some instances. Um, family members will come and they want to ride in that bombardier seat because that's where grandpa was. That's, that's where their father was. Um, Or they want to sit in the gunner seat or they want to sit in the flight engineer seat because that's where they, they sat, they served or where their family members served. And the emotion that we have witnessed is, um, is something else. It is quite humbling and something that we're very blessed and honored to continue to do for, As long as good Lord's willing, we intend to to fly the airplane and continue to uh, carry out our mission for decades to come. Of course, uh, we need to get rid of this COVID nineteen thing, just like everyone else, so that we can go out and uh, and do what we do best, and that's honor that greatest generation.
1: You just did. Uh, You 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 did a very beautiful job of doing that. We don't have Doc at an air show, but we were here at a virtual air show and. That what you just said is so true to to, and to witness that is uh, it's emotional.
2: It's um, yeah, I mean, exactly. It's, it's so humbling to do uh, what we do. And we want to we want to us to make sure that the future generations don't forget about the greatest generation. And frankly, uh, you know, we, we yes, we talk a little bit about the atomic weapons and the, and the, the mass destruction that the B-29 did. Uh, and brought to to Japan, but we also talk about the lives that it was, the lives that it saved, and the modern marble technology that it was, and and how it really put Wichita and Kansas on the map to be the aviation capital of the world, and those heroes who who served not only on the front lines uh, but also right here in Wichita, and those were women, right? I talked a little bit about uh, Connie Colossios, um, and and the the Rosie the Riveters, uh, those women, without their work. Um, the world today might look different. Uh, the world today would look different without the B-29. Uh, the world today would look different without those heroes who, who fought during world war two. It's our job to honor.
1: Absolutely.
0: Yeah. I, I, I think back to, um, I'm trying to think when was that July of 2016 first flight. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. I, I had been uh, following Doc just from the periphery. Uh, I moved to Wichita in 2006. You know, aviation fan but just didn't, you know, didn't know too much about it other than just kind of hearing updates in the newspaper. And um when it started to, you know, come out that hey, we had first engine run and did some taxi tests and things like that, I really started to get very interested in what was going on and I, you know, I wish I would have been involved much sooner. But I was fortunate enough to have an invite to the uh, first flight ceremony. And, um, you know, I did what I normally do. I tried to find a place where I wasn't around a bunch of people and I just wanted to soak it up. And when that plane lumbered down the runway and took off and I hear the team members and the volunteers and you know everybody that's been involved with this for so incredibly long um you know they're they're yelling go doc go doc and and everybody was you know just just cheering it on and then you know the moment that that uh you know it rotated and lifted off the ground i mean you could pretty well just see the tears running down the faces of almost everybody that was there that had put so much time and effort into it um that was an experience that i will never ever forget and um you know it was just it's a testament to how many people put all that time and effort into it and expertise and um you know it was just it was an incredible experience and um yeah i just i watched it i watched, it, I, watched
1: it, I watched it online i mean i can imagine what what you felt and all of you guys that were were able to witness that with your eyes and and and. Was watching it online. I don't even remember where I was. Probably at work, and I just watched it, and I just I could just imagine what it would be like to, to be there. And you just described it for me, and I appreciate that.
2: Yeah, I mean there were, um, you know, grown men bawling, so to speak. Yeah. I mean there were lots of it's big emotion. Uh, we had one guy, Dan Wimberly, uh, mm-hmm. decided to wear a tux that day. Yep, and he was a longtime volunteer. It was just it was a, it was something else, and it, and it never gets old. By the way, every time you see Nick Nick, you've seen the airplane uh, take off and fly uh, dozens and dozens of times, and mm-hmm. and I have two, and it never gets old. I notice something different um, every time we fly.
0: And, yep,
2: you know it's w- when it's we the highlight of my day Wichita.
0: when it happens. Yeah, yeah. Well, well,
2: when we come and go in Wichita, mm-hmm. uh, you know it. all it's it's a traffic stopper. I <laughs> mean, people yeah. people will stop and hop out of their car, and look, and look up, Uh, people will stop mowing, and they'll stop, whatever they're doing, and look up, because it's that lumbering sound, right, of a B-29.
1: Yeah,
0: it's it's pretty special, but um, kind of parlaying that into, um, you know, what Part of your guys' mission to, uh, you know, you mentioned giving the ride flights and whatnot. Kind of describe a little bit about what that, what that product is and what people could expect out of that.
2: Yeah, no, um, it is. Uh, we, want, um, we want to be able to let people get up close and touch and experience a B-29. And what better way to do that is than with the living history flight exemption process with the FAA. And so we're so happy that um, we're able to do that and that we're trusted to do that from the FAA. And so when you get up close, and you actually have an opportunity to, to see and feel and smell what's going on using your senses, um, to, to be right there in the, in the cabin, in the cockpit, in the, in the, the tail section. Um, we're, we're a little bit unique when, when we do it. It's a, it's a 90 minute experience, about 30 minutes on the ground uh, going through pre-flight. And by the time we get you loaded up and then we uh, we let you put on headsets and you're able to hear the entire uh engine start process crew checklist and all the all that uh, engine runups and so that's cool uh, you get to interact with the crew a little bit um, sometimes our flight engineer will uh, kind of walk the we have a, a cockpit observer who sits right across from the flight engineer and that cockpit observer gets a special treat uh in my opinion that's the best seat in the house um you get a special treat you get to um, kind of watch the flight engineer, and he walks you through on how they start those big those big radial engines. Um, and then when we're in flight, um, once we're up and about, and get everything trimmed up, and it's safe to do so. Um, you know, everybody's uh, we're, we're 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 up. Uh, we let the people in front uh, in those two seats up front, in the cockpit, the navigator, and the, uh, the the cockpit observer. We let them kind of move about and 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 see uh, what it's like up on the cockpit, uh, up up on the flight deck. We keep the bombardier uh, in that seat because it, uh, that, the bombardier would have to climb between the two pilots, the co-pilot and, uh, uh, and the pilot in command, and that's just something that uh, we don't do. Um, it's, uh, it's distracting and it could create an issue, so we let the, let the bombardier sit there. Although we do joke about that, you know, if the bombardier gets out of that seat, one of those other two passengers are going to get in that seat, and then we're not going to be able to get them out. <laughs> we're going to have a fight at, uh, at 5,000 feet. Uh, of course, that's not gonna happen, but uh, that's kind of our kind of our little joke there but um, and then we also have six seats in the back um, those six seats are the gunner seats, and they they once we are up and about, they get to get up and uh, crawl through and uh, we don't let them crawl through the tunnel uh, between the forward and the aft section, but we do let uh we let our our gunners uh, sit down into the scanner bubbles uh, we let them get up into the master gunner control uh, the blister bubble up above the 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 aircraft we also let them crawl all the way back to the tail gunner position um all the while we are making sure that people are are safe and moving about the aircraft and then when we get back on the ground um we let the we let our passengers uh, at that point crawl through that tunnel once we're back on the ground and we let them uh, experience the the places in the aircraft where um where they were not and so we're very proud of the the, the operation that we have and um people uh it's a once in a lifetime experience and so I, I want to also touch on our our safety record and our attention to detail um, we are committed to to doing everything we can uh, everything we do extremely safe and it's one of those things that um, we want to be sure that we are continue to be trusted by the FAA to do the lhfe and so we uh we want to over uh, over protect ourselves and our passengers and our aircraft and we just do not cut any corners when we're able to, when when we do these types of flights. Um, I know there have been some concern. um, I don't want to get into too much of it, but there have been some concern about other organizations and and other flights. And I think we're all on the same page that this is something that we need to do. We need to um, let people get up close and personal with our aircraft, but we need to do it safely. And I think generally as an aviation industry, as a warbird industry, we are all committed to do that. And what's nice to know is that the FAA uh, from the administrator up and down um, knows that that's what we want to do. We want to do it safely and we want to do it to honor the men and women who, who serve our nation. So it's a great opportunity, whether you're flying in a B-29 known as DOC uh, or whether you get a chance to fly in the other B-29, uh, the CAF, Speepee, or whether it's a B-25 or a 17 or, or a, a P-51, whatever the case may be, I encourage you to do it. Um, it is a true lifetime experience once in a lifetime experience
0: yeah i can't agree more i've had the opportunity to do it once and um again one of those experiences i won't ever forget and um you know the it it's not just a it's not just a ride it's it's truly an experience everybody talks about every aspect of the plane what you're about to do and then paints it in a picture of, you know, what you might have been feeling in 1945. And uh, they do a very nice job of it. Very well run. And uh, kudos to you guys for putting together such a great program.
2: Well, thanks. We, again, we can't do it without the people who come out to see us. Uh, you know, it's, it's one of our primary ways to generate revenue. I mean, it's, it costs us about just in fuel alone, about $3,600 just in fuel and oil alone to operate the airplane you tack on uh, maintenance reserve and those types of things, it's about $4,600 per flight hour. Um, so we obviously have to go do these things. And without the people who fly with us, um, we are not able to continue our mission. So it's a big salute to the people who come out and see us at air shows, who, who buy the ride flight tickets and take that experience. Um, we can't do it without them.
1: It's interesting you say that because um, you know, when you talk to non-aviation people and, and you start talking the the price tag you know of of certain rides and it's like you know you know how do they how do they survive and i said are you kidding me the waiting list is you know at an air show is like you're the booked book solid and uh and so that's just a testament to the fact that those people who are doing it are doing it because of the experience they're doing it so that they can give back say to a loved one who flew you know at one time those in those aircraft or maintain them or, or, or was just in the service to be able to sit there and, 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 uh, put them on one of those flights. It's, it's all about the experience.
2: Yeah, it is a true experience. And I I might add that you're right. Um, you know, we, um, we, we often turn people away, um, because we're booked up. Um, now that is a concern as we move forward with COVID-19. I can't avoid talking about this a little bit, you know, Um, We're all, uh, I think, uh, we've got that nervous energy. We all want to get out uh, of our homes and get back to work and get back to normal, Uh, but we want to do it safely. We want to make sure that um, not only um, in our communities, um, you know, schools and and jobs and going to the grocery store and our families stay safe in our neighborhoods, but we also want to be sure that if we're able to go to air shows, uh, what's that look like? Um, How do we keep our air show uh, attendees healthy? Can we do that? I think we can. Uh, there are many of us that are working on a plan um but there's some concern right um you know with the restrictions in place nationwide about large gatherings and then the numbers of people that can that can uh, a restriction on the numbers of people that can gather um there's some concern about uh, the air show season at all 2020 and so I'm hopeful that we're able to keep an open mind as an as a as a country as a as an industry as a warbird industry and also as an aviation and an air show industry to to find ways that we can do this um, we are a little bit, frankly, concerned about finances. Finances. Um, I think all of us in the Warbird industry are. Uh, will there still be an interest of people to come see these airplanes? I think there will be, but that's a concern. And then, what's it look like? Will people um, will people be willing to to fly on Warbirds um, because of COVID nineteen? And so, I, what I'll tell you is that there's a group of us working uh, very diligently to see what that looks like making sure that we uh, implement, um, you know, we're already safe in our operations. Operationally, we are already very safe, uh, but we could probably add some, some stuff that um, will help um, keep, um, you know, allow us to, to better sanitize things. How we line up at air shows to let people crawl through the airplane, we do that. Um, but, you know, typically people are right there next to each other. So what's that look like in, in, the, in the near term? Is that a you know, six feet apart type situation? Um, are there only so many people we allow in there before we go through and clean it? And so we're looking at all those things. All the Warbird guys are looking at those. And so hopefully we can come up with a way that um, will allow us to get back out on the road and share these, these wonderful airplanes and, and, and the, the stories that they have while doing so um, to reduce the risk of, of COVID-19. I'm confident we can do that.
0: Well, it sounds like you guys have thought a lot about it. And, you know, I think that's, that's a testament to where we're at. And nobody knows exactly what this is all going to look like. But, um, you know, we certainly wish, wish you guys the best, wish everybody the best in this whole community and just trying to figure out what, uh, what the next moves are. And hopefully we can, hopefully we can get to something back to whatever normal is.
2: (laughs) Yeah. I like to tell people, um, you know, this is not a, you know, people were talking about, oh, this is the new normal. This is the new normal. I, I said, finally, I said, look, this is not a new normal. Uh, this is a temporary challenge or a temporary yep. normal at that, right? It's yep. a challenge. Yep. We'll get back to normal. We're going to put 50,000 people in a baseball stadium or a football stadium. We're going to put 100,000 people at an air show. Eventually, we
1: will get there. Yep. we will do so safely, but we got to get there. We'll, yep. We will. will.
0: Absolutely.
1: We have to because we can't do this virtual air show again.
0: Yeah, exactly. That's the goal is to not have to do this again. So
1: <laughs> we're trying to we're trying to we're trying to scare COVID away so that they can say, yeah, we can't have this virtual stuff anymore.
2: Yeah, no, I get it. I get it. I think it's great uh, that you guys are doing this, and uh, people uh, will be able to to see what we do um, in a different light, and um, hopefully, will uh, many people will say, oh yeah, I didn't realize. Uh, you know, heard something on, on the show, and um, people will, will, will get more followers, for example, more, yeah. more
0: enthusiasts. Um, Absolutely. More enthusiasts. That's the goal. So, well, we're pushing up against our time here. Uh, I really appreciate you taking the time to join us and um, thoroughly enjoyed everything we've chatted about. And um, I know it comes as no surprise to anybody that follows me on Instagram how big of a fan I am of, of Doc and, and the whole. The whole program, but um uh, uh why don't you please tell everyone where they can find Docs Friends on social media and uh also just kind of go through I mean, once once things do get back to whatever normal is, how they might go about booking a ride.
2: Sure. I'm happy to. Um first of all, our website, b29doc.com. Uh and you can find everything you would ever need to know there. Um our uh we're on Instagram, b29docs friends. We're on uh Twitter, Docs Friends. And uh, we're also on uh, Facebook, of course, Doc's Friends there as well. You can get all that on our website, b29doc.com. Uh, we're looking at ways to reopen our, um, our hangar and uh, education center to the public, looking at uh, when that's safe to do so. I don't have a date yet, but we will make that announcement uh, on our website as well. And we're also looking to, to when that becomes um, uh, safe. And when I say safe, I'm talking about COVID-19 safe. To do so, we'll we'll add some ride flights. We don't have anything yet on the books. We've had to cancel uh, most of our flights uh, so far that have been pre-announced, but we'll get back to it. Um, you can uh, you can book rides um, at b29doc.com, uh, and also you can I encourage you to go there and sign up. So there's a big sign up button. You can sign up to be part of our mailing list, and I promise we won't spam you. And it's not a snail mail; it's it's email. But every time we add something, an event or uh, a flight, or whatever the case may be, a story to our website, you'll get an email and be among the first to know. And so uh, you can go click on that and uh, learn more about what we do. Also, the the online gift shop is still open. It would be, uh, put in a little shameless plug for that. Uh, we're still uh, fulfilling orders for B29 Doc Swag. We've got hats and t-shirts and videos and patches and coins and uh, photos and all sorts of things that um, that we're proud of there. So you can go online and, and help support our team uh, virtually as well.
0: Fantastic. Well, uh, like I said, thanks again for joining us and um, I'll have to do it again sometime.
2: That's right. Thank you, guys. I appreciate the time. Yes, yeah, thank coming. you. So
0: that's going to do it for this session of the virtual air show tuned in late or just want to hear the interview again please stay tuned to full disk aviation and mud spike aviation we intend to provide all of today's content for future listening just haven't quite figured out how to do that yet thanks all for tuning in we've got lots of great content coming up so don't go away thank you for tuning in to this aviation conversation we hope that our discussion of aviation brought a smile to your face this was our first time hosting this event, and we look forward to doing it again in the future. We welcome any feedback to improve these future events. You can find Full Disk Aviation online at www.fulldiscaviation.com and Mud Spike Aviation at www.mudspikeaviation.com. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.